Okay, guys, welcome back to the Multidimensional Journey YouTube channel and the Multidimensional Journey podcast. This is your host, Ayahuasca Carr, and thank you so much for returning back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Really excited to get into today's topic today, which I'm going to be sharing. Um, I did a holotropic breathwork retreat, a one-week holotropic breathwork retreat slash module, um, basically their training program. And um, my cat is wanting to get out. She's cute. Um, and I did the module, the, the Power Within, which I'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, so I'm really excited just to share my experience, hopefully to inspire you. And then I'm definitely going to be talking about, I think, what um, the ayahuasca community can actually learn from the holotropic model, at least the Western ayahuasca community. I can't speak for, for other communities, but basically some things that I've seen and, um, you know, that sort of thing. So in terms of safety and boundaries and all of these wonderful, wonderful things. So um, so if you're interested, kind of just giving you some updates, um, if you're interested in microdosing the ayahuasca vine, as usual, it is down below. You can check that out. It's a great way to connect with ayahuasca in a very subtle and safe way. Just be sure to read all the medical contraindications um, just to be sure. And then feel free to check out all the links below for my upcoming breathwork uh, experiences. Um, I also just decided to release my ayahuasca preparation course for absolutely free. So you can sign up for that down below. And also um, feel free to check out the ayahuasca preparation and integration community um, so you can connect with other like-minded individuals that are on the path of ayahuasca. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. <clears throat> so this is kind of like a personal share um, and also educational. So usually I'm pretty like I hop on here and I'm like, I know exactly what I'm talking about, but this is a little, um, it's gonna be vulnerable and kind of sharing some other things. So feel free to uh, yeah, bear with me as I get through it. So, um, so I felt a pull to the holotropic model. I mean, actually for quite some time, but during the pandemic, like that wasn't really an option. And I've always come back to Stan Groff's work. Um, I've even mentioned holotropic breath work, his book on here several times. And there's always something, um, about his work that I'm like, gosh, this guy makes so much sense. Right. And I don't think I really knew what it meant until this retreat, which I'll be sharing very deeply and <clears throat> intimately about what I saw, what I experienced. I came, I saw, and um, I felt, I don't know, whatever. So, um, and then I also thought, you know, interestingly enough, and while I was in Peru, I read Stan Groff's LSD and psychotherapy from front to back in one day, because I had a lot of time on my hands, to be honest. Um, but I really didn't understand why, because I'm like, I'm definitely never going to take LSD. But and if you want to take LSD, like, that's totally cool. That's just not like the the, the path for me, so to speak. Um, but there was a lot of interesting things in there. And at this point, I've, I, I finished spiritual emergency on my uh, flight home and I'm, you know, I'm a, I think holotropic breathwork is the bee's knees. So you, from here on out, you definitely have a holotropic breathwork fan as I do plan on completing the training. It's a two year training. Um, so let's get into why, right? Like, like what, like what, how is holotropic breathwork different from other breathworks? Why did I have such a big experience? Well, first and foremost, it's the container, the, the setting. And you know, if you've been following me, I'm always talking about set, setting, and dosage. And I have to say, I've never seen such a beautifully held container with such integrity and pretty strict parameters to ensure that everyone's getting, you know, the support that they need. It's it's pretty it's pretty strict to make sure this happens. And what I mean by that is that every um, breather and every uh, sitter, um, everyone gets like a. So if you're breathing, you have a sitter right next to you the entire time. And that's on top of, you know, in, that's um, aside from <clears throat> the actual facilitators in the room. And I think this is a really key and missing part that I really believe that actually a lot of containers could use and borrow from, but especially the ayahuasca community. And so 
By definition, okay, so holotropic breathwork is an entire philosophy. It's an entire framework. It's not just a breathing practice. It's an entire cosmology. It's a, a way, it's a path. It's much bigger than just a breathing activity, which I finally connected the dots in this training that I was in. And so a part of the philosophy is that, um, I'll just reiterate again, that each person who's breathing for three hours, by the way, they breathe, actively breathe for three hours. And in the holotropic model, what I learned from my teacher was that there's no instruction in, in the mouth or um, in through the nose or out through the mouth. There's no specifics on that. The, the, actually, the instruction is simple as you're just breathing deeper and faster continuously than you usually would, which was news to me, by the way. This was total news to me. I've always thought the holotropic model actually was in and out through the mouth. So, and this comes back to holotropic breathworks, um, one of their main philosophies, which is that the facilitators or the sitters are not the doers. They do not instruct, Do they, they don't give advice. They're just there to hold the space. So really as a sitter, your job is to hold the space and to keep the person safe in a respectful manner. So I don't know if I can get into all of that today, but like, for example, if someone is starting to choke themselves, you know, you, you do jump in to keep them safe. Or if someone is starting to flail around and they're about to hit their head, you put a pillow underneath them to keep them safe. Things that don't happen in ayahuasca spaces. I have never seen this. What I have seen, and by the way, this isn't a judgment. This isn't uh, like, like, hey, everyone's doing things wrong. This is just like, hey, this is what I noticed. And this is definitely what I think we could do better at. So in ayahuasca rooms, when people are having giant processes, huge, they're all happening in the dark. <laughs> no one can see anybody. So no one really knows if you're truly safe or not. Right. So huge thing that I think that we can learn from, from the whole tropic model is that the sitter um, that is assigned to the breather on top of the facilitators that are actually holding the room um, are dedicated to that one person the entire time. <laughs> the entire time, guys. Right. I mean, this was like, whoa, this was mind blowing for me. This was like, wow. Like if you've been following me, you know what happened in Peru like two and a half years ago and my trauma although it was very layered one of the things was not getting the help I needed and I was like damn that would have been really good to have a sitter right there and so um so the sitter's role and you know I'm gonna do the best I can to explain this as I'm all like excited and everything so if you don't get it or you miss a beat just message me or drop your questions in the poll on the Spotify or on YouTube so um so so in in the trainings in the module which um, everyone gets a chance to breathe twice and to sit twice. So I got to breathe two times, which was like amazing. But I have to tell you, um, both were equally as amazing, but I loved sitting more than anything else because the beauty of just witnessing so many people in deep processes and being held by each other and the facilitators was incredible. And all of it was in the light meaning in the daytime, you could see everyone's processes. You could see that they were really going for it. You know, I'm talking like crying, screaming, I even screamed at the top of my lungs at one point, which you can't do. Uh, well, I don't want to say you can't do, by the way. Um, not necessarily encouraged all the time in ayahuasca ceremonies. And I, and I will say this, when it does happen in ayahuasca ceremonies, the container, the way it's set up, it doesn't hold it as well. This is just my opinion. It just it just it becomes very chaotic because everyone's essentially high. And, um, and, you know, sometimes that chaotic energy isn't held well, you know. So once again, set, setting. You know, all these things are really important. So anyway, everyone's in these really cathartic processes and you can see all the sitters are just like not doing anything, but like holding the space for that breather, being very attentive, ready for anything to keep them safe in a respectful manner. And the facilitators, you know, are taking care of the sitters. So if the sitters need to go to the bathroom, you know, the sitters raise their hand and like, I need to go to the bathroom. Can you watch this person? I mean, like, oh my God, I'm just like, I can't even express like this. This is amazing. This is incredible. I can't believe I haven't come across this model until now. 
And wouldn't this just be, I mean, in, just even in the simple fact, when you got to go to the bathroom in an ayahuasca ceremony, it's a, it's a, an event, right? It's an event. Just getting yourself up, right, is an event. And then deciding, do I really have the stamina to fully arise, right? And oftentimes, I've been in many, I, I would love to hear from you. If you've been in an ayahuasca ceremony where you had to figure out how to go to the bathroom, put it down below. Um, but in the holotropic model, you actually are not allowed to go to the bathroom without your sitter. You are not allowed to go to the bathroom without your sitter. I'll say it again. You are not allowed to go to the bathroom without your sitter. So you are being witnessed in every phase from beginning to end for all three hours. Someone is taking care of you. And there are so many things to be said just about this dynamic other than safety. Um, and now it's really starting to make sense why my one-on-one -on -one ayahuasca experiences I felt so safe because, you know, that sacred witness was there the entire time, which I feel like often gets lost in the ayahuasca model. Um, no harm, no foul. But this is, once again, this is just my opinion. Um, a lot of times the facilitators, if there is enough of them, right? And I have co-facilitated too. Let's please keep that in mind. I'm like, you know, I haven't led as well. I led one in the jungle because it was a part of my training. Um, but even when I've co-facilitated, you know, um, our job per our training that we've received and I can't even like, right. I can't even like, um, you know, my training has been minimal technically. Right. Um, our job is to hold the space with the songs, right. By carrying individuals in the ceremony through song. And, um, and if someone starts to get into a place where it's too big, it's, it's, there's not a lot of like boundaries or parameters around that. It's very, um, uh, I guess, how do I explain it? It's kind of up to every facilitator to kind of figure it out. That's what I've noticed in the Western paradigm where, um, in the whole tropic model, there's very specific ways to hold the container. Not so much in what you're doing as a facilitator, right? Because I think a lot of times in the ayahuasca model, which is a shamanistic model, it's like, what songs are we singing to bring people through? Are uh, We're blowing mapacho, we're using agua de florida. This is very, um, the traditional way. Um, all these things, right? And uh, in the whole tropic model, it's very much like, I'm right here if you need anything, I'm here to keep you safe. And there's certain things that if I see them, I have to, I have to um, jump in. And that's all, you know, that is all communicated in the pre-talk. In the pre-talk, there's a huge preparation talk for all of this. I mean, it's so hard to go over all of what happens, but um, this is said in the pre-talk that one of the, there's agreements that you go over. So if you get into a place where you are going to hurt yourself or others, the sitter has to intervene, the facilitator has to intervene. Um, so where was I going with that? I forget actually. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it's the way, oh, right, right, right. So, <laughs> sorry guys. Um, yeah, there's a lot of doing on the facilitator's part aside from holding the space. And I, I actually think, in my opinion, there's more doing than holding sometimes in the ayahuasca experiences that I've been in, at least the group experiences. Um, so just going back to um, this model of the sitter and the breather and the facilitator, I just think this is something that the ayahuasca community can really take from. I mean, I think any non-ordinary states of consciousness group work from can can borrow from this model because it just creates a next level of integrity and embodiment and like so so many other things. So back to my, my personal experience. Um, so as I when I was when I was a breather, my first breathing session, immediately like immediately, even before we start breathing, as I walk into the room, I look around the room, and there's a ton of like mats like beds right. Uh, very reminiscent. I mean, it, like, it was so reminiscent of an ayahuasca room. Everyone's in a circle. And they even give you trash bags just in case you throw up, which I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Like, I've done breath work, right? I've done plenty of breath work, but I, I'm like, well, I guess this is, um, they really encourage. So one of the things in the holotropic model is that you are encouraged to intensify your emotions. 
and that's up to you. You know, that's that's between you and what they call in in that model your, your inner healer. And um, so from right from the get go, I'm like, okay, there's mats everywhere. They're giving us trash bags. And so when I lay down to start breathing, I I'm like, my nervous system is being taken back to that night in Peru, and I start to feel the terror. And I've done a lot of work around it, so I'm just like, everything's okay, everything's okay. Just breathe into it. Just breathe into it. Just breathe into it. And um, there's a lot that happened that day, so I, I can't. It's hard for me to even put that into words. But one of the things that did happen that I don't even think I meant it to happen, right? Several times throughout my first breathwork session, I would take my, my eye mask off and I just wanted to orient around the room to be like, okay, I actually, I had I had this feeling of like, wow, I really do feel safe in this room and everyone is like going off on their processes, which, which in my experience in Peru, there was big processes happening, but the container was poorly held. So I'm just like looking around the room to like orient to be like, wow, this is like really, this is like really happening. Like, whoa. And I did this like several times and I noticed that, each time I would take my shades off, like there'd be three or four facilitators, their eyes would just go right at me. And they were like, boom, they were so ready to do whatever needed to happen, you know? And at first I found it kind of irritating to be honest, but in the long term, once I understood their role, I was like, oh, they're really ready for anything. Like they're like, kind of like, do you need us? You know, they're not saying that verbally, but they're so present. That's, that's what I learned later. And in the in my state, I was like, gosh, this feels really intense. Like everyone's looking at me. You know, that was my own stuff coming up. But later I was like, wow, this is like, and it was so corrective compared to what happened in Peru for several reasons. Because it was in the light, because I knew the container was totally held, and uh these facilitators are like, bam. And the the they're not doing anything other than setting up the right setting. The I don't want to say the right, a safe setting. That's what they're doing. That's their only role is to set up a safe setting. So anyone can process through anything that they're looking for. And I witnessed, I mean, it was so reminiscent of an ayahuasca room. It's not even funny. Like in my mind, I was in an ayahuasca room, but I was like, damn, everyone's going so deep and no one took anything but their breathing. And this, this has been the like, I mean, this is mind blowing. This is so mind blowing for, for me um, because I witnessed like processes that were so deep. And I actually think this is a huge healing part to witness others as a sitter which oftentimes in the rooms of ayahuasca, everything is pitch black dark. Everything's pitch black dark. So, so you don't really get to witness anything. You just, which from a nervous system perspective, you are just hearing noises, you're in an altered state and you're just vulnerable to creating some sort of projection, right? But, and, and of course at all times we're vulnerable to creative projection, but I really feel being able to witness others as the sitter and getting the role of the breather and the sitter, there's something about it. There's some sort of countertransference that I could go into a whole psychology thing about being a witness and then being a witness and like how that in itself is so incredibly healing. Um, but yeah, so that was day one. Um, and I, I, I mean, just to scratch the surface with you guys, like day one, not only did I have that corrective experience, which was my intention, although I'm learning in the holotropic model, they don't, they actually like, kind of like, they like steer away from encouraging the set intentions because it's like, whatever is going to come up, it's going to come up. But I really believe in setting intention. So, you know, that's just me. Um, so, also, what happened in the first breathwork session is that I was getting in touch with this part of me that was really tired, tired. And I think in the past, I would have been like, I'm just going to rest and like, you know, calm down and just take care of myself. But I got really curious about this part that was tired. And because in the holotropic model, they say intensify, intensify, get curious, intensify, get curious. So I just started breathing into it. I was like, all right, let's go. Like, I'm ready. Let's do it. And it basically like very ayahuasca-esque, by the way, because I feel like I think this is important. Um, with ayahuasca, 
with a therapeutic dose, it is often that the medicine is taking us on a journey and we're working in tandem with it. With breath work, in my opinion, uh, we are creating the medicine within us. We are creating the intensity of the medicine. We're basically dosing ourselves through our breath. So it's like, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready for the next dose. So I start breathing harder and harder and I'm expanding, I'm expanding my consciousness, I'm expanding my experience. The music is playing, right? So boom, 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 boom. The music is loud, guys, it is loud and it's vibrating, you can feel it. Very reminiscent of an ikro, which by the way, you know, people, I can already hear people poo-pooing me on that. And there's a lot of people in the ayahuasca community that say like, don't ever play music. If anyone plays a playlist in your ceremony, don't ever hire them. I don't agree with that. I've had tons of ceremonies through speaker. Amazing. Amazing. So, so I'm feeling at home. I'm feeling like one with an experience that I previously only had in ayahuasca. And now I'm having it in this room. So it's like, I'm breathing, I'm breathing and boom, 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 boom. And like, as I'm following this part of me, that's tired. It's like, Oh my God. Like I go, I start going into my ancestral lineage. Like it's actually not me who's tired. It's my mom and my dad who are tired. My dad, who's carried all the, the, um, the sadness of all, like, you know, he's from Iran. So like, just like, um, cathartically releasing, like all the pain that that country's had to witness and carry and all the oppression and all of that is just coming through. It's flooding. And then I go to my mom's side and my mom's side, you know, my mom's side, she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia at a very young age. And that, you know, uh, took over her life essentially. And, you know, just feeling and witnessing all of the grief and the sorrow and just like, just like releasing it. I'm, I'm like making noises. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm releasing. I'm like, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to let this go. Um, but also feel the grief of it to really feel it. Cause you know, in a way, um, collectively people won't ever get to feel that, you know, the, the lineage maybe never got a chance to feel that cause they were so busy just soldiering on, you know, woo, emotional, emotional guys, emotional. I'm trying to stay on track here with you. So, so anyway, that was just the first day. <laughs> so, um, and so you switch roles, you know, in four consecutive days. So I was, um, I'm trying to think, yeah, I was the breather the first day, then the sitter, then the breather, then the sitter. So by the way, um, you know, I went with my partner. So him and I were breather and sitters for each other, which was incredible. Just like, it was so amazing to have that type of relationship and that trust already. And then just ready to get in there and dive even deeper. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I mean, where are we at? Gosh, we're, gosh, we're at 27 minutes already. I feel like I've been talking too long. So, um, so once again, I mean, I guess I'll just sum it up this way. And another person in the training, um, said this too, that there is nothing more beautiful that I will ever witness really there isn't. I was like, fuck, I'm totally sold. Like, because for me, you know, and if you're, if you're a practitioner on this path and you know, you're like, gosh, I have felt kind of, kind of lost on the ayahuasca path. It's kind of hard to figure it out. And like all these things, um, or whatever non-ordinary state of consciousness work you do. Um, I felt like I was like, damn, I'm home. I feel at home. Like I finally feel like I have mentors I can trust. I have a container, you know, um, because remember it's not just about whatever you're facilitating or whatever you're ingesting, right? It's not just about the ayahuasca. It's not about the mushrooms. It's not about the MDMA. It's not what, it's not just about what you're taking. It's about the set, the setting. And I also talk about the dosage. Um, this is very important, very important. So the missing piece for me has been a container in which I actually feel safe in, I can trust in, and that I actually want to learn in long-term. And I feel like I finally have found that within the whole tropic model. And um, yeah, just witnessing so many people's processes as a sitter, and there was like, how many people, how many, how many pairs were there? I think there were like 10 to 12 pairs. So maybe 24 plus people in the room. And it was just so beautifully orchestrated. And um, so I think there's, there's a lot, there's a lot for us to learn in the ayahuasca community from this model. I feel like it's, and, and, I, and like I said, other non-ordinary states of consciousness work. I feel like Stan and Christina Groff, pioneers, visionaries, like I, I guess like I've kind of passively read their work, you know, in the last few years. But now I get it. Now it's starting to be like, whoa, 
it's different when you read a book and then you actually experience something and i'm and that's what happened for me you know it was no longer words on a paper i was like oh my gosh and um there's just there's so many synchronicities that i'm experiencing in this whole like just following this and trusting myself and um yeah you know feel free to you know mention on the spotify or the youtube if you if you sometimes haven't really known why you're going after something but you can really feel something like i trust this i want to go deeper with it so anyways um so that was that and did I, I didn't even get into day two but let's just say i went i went hard i went i went really deep i went really really deep in my breathwork session i guess this was more of a video of the container and being a sitter and the holotropic model and just like um how so amazing it is um so if you're interested in that i you know I encourage you to check it out uh, the training is at minimum a two-year training you attend like seven of these retreats and modules and then they have an apprenticeship track so um i just love how organized it is because i can't tell you how like you know it's hard to find um teachers and mentors it's been very hard for me you know my experience has been it's very difficult for me to find teachers and mentors um on the ayahuasca path and really finding people who i can relate to in my cultural framework you know um so obviously that disconnect was there for a reason i feel like all of this is kind of like the other thing i realized too is that i really feel like that chapter of that that trauma and I, I almost feel ready to call it like a shamanic crisis that happened two and a half years ago i feel like i'm ready to come to the other end of what happened um in closing the chapter on the word trauma but maybe you know maybe we're not there just yet um but it's it's just been a true coming home to this so what did i say yeah and then you apprentice and then yeah so it's just like all laid out and it's the training is impeccable all of it is just like um and for me, it's not too far from what I've experienced in the ayahuasca model, but it's just the boundaries, the integrity. That's it. That's the thing that's been missing for me the entire time. The boundaries, the integrity, the understanding, the accountability. Ugh, it's like beautiful. So um, if you're interested in that, you can Google holotropic breathwork training and check that out. Um, and I think that's it. This was a way longer podcast and YouTube video that I wanted to do, but I hope you got something out of it. And um, be sure to leave your questions and your comments below. And yeah, be sure to check out all my upcoming workshops. You can come breathe with me. You can join the Facebook community, um, join the, uh, the conversation with like-minded individuals on the ayahuasca path um, and all the things in between. Um, so thank you guys so much. And if you liked this podcast, be sure to leave a rating. And then here on the YouTube channel, if you liked it, please leave it a like and subscribe to the channel. All these things really help me out. Really, really appreciate it. And as always, I will see you guys next time. Take care. Bye.